0: Inning 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits on a real finish.
1: He swings, and it's a high-fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone! Home run! And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Monday. We are back. We have a lot to talk about. Of course, storylines from all around the league. It is the first show of the week, meaning this week in Shohei Otani news, my favorite segment. We also got power rankings coming at you, new, updated. Everybody can clamor on about those and tell me how wrong I am. And another list. We got another list coming at you in a little while. This is going to be a fun episode. I'm pumped, and let's get into it. Let's start with first base. I want to get right into this because this is important. I've had something on my mind for a while now. It's been about 48 hours on my mind. This is more important than Jake Berger hitting a homer on National Burger Day or Mike Trout taking his son deep in his living room. This is the Jock Peterson slap heard around the world. For those that didn't hear, Jock Peterson was slapped by Tommy Pham in the outfield the other day over a fantasy football incident. (laughs) So let me start here. Let me start by saying I do not condone violence. Jock Peterson said so himself. Violence is not the answer. I think it's better when things are taken care of on the field, on the ball field, like Jock has done recently this year when a fan was heckling him and he decided his next at bat to hit a home run and silenced him right then and there. But this is different. This wasn't settled on the actual playing field during a game. It was settled during batting practice. But let let me just say, this was a slap. It wasn't a punch. It's just a fact. That it was a slap. Both of them agreed on that. So we're not dealing with a Johnny Depp, Amber Heard sort of situation here. This was a mere slap. So let's get into the details here. Post-game, after the slap in BP, Jock Peterson was asked about this. And in a 3-minute and 16-second video interview... He didn't smile. He didn't laugh. It was just the most transparent interview over fantasy football that you could possibly imagine. All I was waiting for, this entire conversation, was a smirk. A laugh. Because it was hysterical. But we didn't get that. What we got was details. What we got was... What happened? How this happened? Tommy Pham was mad over something that happened seven, eight months ago. He had a player that he was disappointed in Jock Peterson for putting a player in his IR slot and getting somebody else to play for that game. That's what Tommy Pham was mad about. So seven months later... When he first sees him, he walks up to him, and he slaps him. Jock Peterson is just like all of us. All of these baseball players that are making millions and playing in front of hundreds of thousands of fans are just like us. They're working the fantasy football waiver wire. They're figuring out how to how to play within the rules and optimize their team within the rules and putting guys on IR slots and picking up other guys. And Tommy Pham just didn't do it. But Jock Peterson, playing within the rules, took advantage of that. And the next day, after Tommy Pham made it clear that, hey, he was messing with my money, so I saw him and he slapped him. That next day, Jock Peterson looked out for the media was ready for the media, and he came with the receipts of this entire situation. He showed the text message exchange, there was a group chat between Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, a bunch of players on the Padres team, and what Tommy Pham got really upset over was this GIF or video that had the team's logo superimposed above, and the team, the, the weightlifter with the Padres logo threw the weight in the air, and it hit him on the head, and they fell down, and Tommy Pham apparently took a lot of offense to that. A lot of offense. <laughs> Jock responded saying, I didn't mean any, I was just joking around. I didn't mean anything by it. Tommy Pham clearly took a lot of offense to this. So, here's, here's my takeaway from all this. Athletes are incredibly competitive incredibly but they're just like us they're playing fantasy football they're getting pissed about things and they're getting mad about bending the rules or not bending the rules this is great for the game of baseball though i am here for all the pettiness in the world i am here for the drama i love it i love to see it these guys are playing in front of millions every year They're making millions, but at the end of the day, they're pissed about the waiver wire on their fantasy football team. It's incredible. In the end, Jock is okay. Everything appears to be fine. He took it like a champ. He took it like the champ that he is. But let me just say again, I do not condone. I don't condone the violence. This was a slap. And this is just an incredibly ridiculous situation over fantasy football. And I just, I love I love this sport. I love this game. I love the drama, the pettiness that it brings. And you know what? Next time the Giants and the Reds play each other in a series that most people aren't going to care about, people are going to watch. For the Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham drama that came about over fantasy Football stuff. In the end, Tommy Pham was suspended for three games. Three games he got suspended for this. Josh Donaldson got suspended the other day for one game. I'm not going to get into that though. But what a situation. Producer Conrad, the slap heard round the world, my friend. It was wild. Fantasy football, you and I have gotten into it in fantasy football. It just happens. Competitors compete.
0: Absolutely. Now, do you think that like a big reason why Jock was so like even-keeled about all of it is because he's actually on a winning roster right now and does not want to present any sort of drama? Just keep it moving. This is nothing to see here.
1: Yeah, and, and he also came out and, and said, look, I don't condone violence. I wasn't going to respond with violence. Uh, I, I think it almost looks more sick that he just took the slap, just took it came to the media with the receipts, and what's everybody going to say now? Like, Jock's Jock's in the right. Rules are the rules in fantasy football. He got slapped over something ridiculous. He was also in the right when it happened. And from everything I've heard, Tommy Pham dropped out of this league. So, just ridiculous. And and I don't exactly know what Tommy Pham was, was, was doing there.
0: Totally, totally. Well, I mean... Luckily, it's all past us now, but I mean it is it is gonna be a situation where when they play each other next time, there's definitely gonna be eyes on both of them. But let's now move on yep. to another great story having on Major League Baseball. Red Sox are starting to heat up, the putting Boston it on people.
1: Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox are playing good baseball right now. They're playing great baseball. Look, let's not forget that the Red Sox were just a couple games away from the World Series last year. Now, they may have overperformed a little bit. They may have produced more than most thought they would last year, but they're not the team that we've seen so far this year. They're just not. They're way too talented. They have way too many stars on their team. Their lineup is way too good, and they've added Trevor Story. Now, their pitching has some weak spots, but I do think they have a chance to be Uh, to be a really good team. But to start this year, man, it was just really, really bad. They started the year 10 and 19. They were in last place in the AL East. Now the AL East is a really good division, but being in last place means you're behind the Baltimore Orioles, which obviously the Orioles are going through stuff right now. They're in a little bit of a rebuild, but they were 10 and 19. Four and nine at home. That was 26th winning percentage in Major League Baseball at Fenway. It's supposed to be so difficult to go into Fenway and win. They had the 26th best winning percentage there. 6-10 and 10 on the road, 6-16 six and 16 versus righties. They had won one out of nine of their first series. That's awful. Their offense was 28th in Major League Baseball in runs per game. 28th! This extremely talented lineup that has Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Trevor's Story, 28th in all of baseball? At the very bottom? The bottom three in baseball? Are you kidding me? That's awful. All of their offensive stats, they were towards the bottom. Average, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, home runs, RBIs, walks. All at the bottom. All at the bottom half, if not the bottom five. It was bad. With runners in scoring position. They were batting 205, 25th in Major League Baseball. The numbers go on. But this is about the current state of the Boston Red Sox. This is about the Boston Red Sox that have seemingly figured it out. The team that we saw in the ALCS last year, just a couple of games away from the World Series. This is the team we expected. This is the team that appears like it could be even better, adding Trevor Story, who's on top of the world right now? You can't tell me there's a better baseball player on the planet right now than Trevor Story because over the course of the last week or two, it's impossible to be better than Trevor Story has been. And since May 10th, since May 10th, everything has changed. They're 12-6, third in Major League Baseball. They're 7-3 and three at Fenway, second in Major League Baseball, which is what we'd all expect them to perform well at home. They're every single facet of their offense has improved. They've won four of their last five series, no series losses. The only one was a split. They're first in on-base percentage, first in average, first in slugging percentage, first in OPS, first in home runs, first in RBIs, and first, fourth in walks. Talk about a transformation. Think about that. They went from almost dead last in every offensive category to almost every single category offensively being in first. That's quite the transformation, and now we're seeing it. We're seeing the success pay off. Now we've seen them have four games, and this is just in the last couple of weeks, four games with 10-plus runs, two games with 15-plus runs, and they had zero Before that, zero of either of those. This Red Sox team has been a blast to watch lately. It has been a lot of fun. You have Rafael Devers from the left side of the plate, Xander Bogarts and Trevor Story from the right side of the plate getting it done. It's been phenomenal. They're leading baseball on average in that time and slugging percentage. And that's the recipe for success. Now, is the hole too deep? Do the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, do they all have too much of a lead right now for them to catch up? My gut says in a division that is full of really good teams that this hole is too much. It's too much to come back and potentially win the division. But is it too much to make a wildcard spot? Uh-uh. Of course it's not. It's still early. We're, what, 45, 50 games into the year? A little less than a third of the way through the season? There's plenty of time. And if this team is playing like this, if the Red Sox are playing like they currently are, I'm even rocking a shirt from Rafael Devers because he's killing it, and I just wanted to show some love forever in (laughs) Devers. Great shirt. Who's going to stop them? They are... Almost an unbeatable team when they are hitting, as they are right now. And they've gone on a tear lately. The Boston Red Sox that we've expected to show up have shown up. And I wanted to talk about them. I wanted to talk about them even though they're sitting in fourth place in a very good division, which is the AL East. They're coming. If they're playing like this, it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter how many runs you're giving up when they're scoring as many as they are. But Nadia Valdi looks to be locked in now. Complete game the other day. Nick Pavetta has been good this year. The pitching just needs to be adequate for this Red Sox lineup to do what they need to do. And that's just win ball games. Producer Conrad, they're back, my friend. It is scary to face the Red Sox when they are raking as they are right now.
0: Absolutely. And I it kind of started a couple weeks ago when they played my Mariners. I mean, there was a four-game series in Fenway, Seattle. I was looking at a little comeback here. Trevor's story just ignited everything. It was like grand slam after grand slam. And it was just unbelievable that was, well, that, to watch Yeah, Fenway. your
1: Mariners kicked off the, the Trevor Story barrage of, of hitting. He was struggling as a as a Boston Red Sox. And that was something that a lot, you know, you, you get Trevor's story, and then everybody naturally says the same thing happened with Nolan Arenado. Ah, the course Field effect. Now he's in Fenway. He's playing a different position. He's not near as good. And it was, what a waste of money. They, was, they spent too much on him. Well, guess what? He's back. Trevor Story is back. That Mariner series started, started what we all knew was in there. And, and it's been incredible to watch him since. Him specifically? Obviously, we know what Devers has done. Bogarts rakes at the shortstop position. They have talent all around that team. J.D. Martinez in the DH slot is is killing it. But the difference, the big difference, has been Trevor Story and what he has been doing lately.
0: Absolutely. And it's not just what Trevor Story has been bringing to this Boston Red Sox club. It's what all of these superstars have started to do in May, which leads us to our next base, which is the superstars stepping up.
1: Yeah, the superstars around Major League Baseball as a whole, we've seen them just start to elevate and to take their team to the next level. That guy that just says, hey, get on my back and let's go. And I, and let's start, let, let's look at some of these names, and we'll start with Trevor Story because we were just talking about the Red Sox and talking about him specifically. So we'll start with him because, Look, he's a $100 million signee. He's a, a big offseason acquisition, and nobody knew where he was going to go. The Red Sox end up getting him. He goes and plays second base. It took him a little while to get going, but man, he's going. And in the last couple of weeks, eight homers, 10 extra base hits, 22 RBIs. I mean, that's just, hey, team, get on my back. That's what that says to me. That's just that's just talent that you know he has finally coming out. And we saw it last year with Francisco Lindor, a guy that comes over and started to struggle with a new team. It's not easy to play for a new team. It's really not. So these stats are going to be since May 14th. That's, what, a couple of weeks? Two weeks' worth of stats. Eight homers, ten extra base hits, Trevor Story rolling. Let's go to Mike Trout. Mike Trout, the biggest superstar of them all in the game of baseball. 315, four homers, nine extra base hits, nine RBIs. And that's with Mike Trout, admittedly so, by him, struggling. That's him struggling. He posted a video the other day hitting with his kid in their living room. And his kid was throwing him the ball, and he said, Daddy needs to work on his swing the hits have been tough to come by lately. That night, he ends up hitting a home run to dead center against the Blue Jays. A big homer. But that's Mike Trout seemingly struggling? Him hitting like that? No way. Mookie Betts. ho oh, 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 baby. Another superstar. 4-14. Nine home runs. 16 extra base hits. 18 RBIs. In two weeks two weeks. This is the Mookie Betts that Dodgers fans were expecting all along. This is MVP of the Boston Red Sox, Mookie Betts showing up. This is superstar Mookie Betts showing out. Next up, Aaron Judge. We all know what Aaron Judge is doing. I've been talking about him for, it seems, over a month now. For over a month, I've been talking about this guy. 302, five homers, eight extra base hits, nine RBI. I mean, this is the guy, this is the superstar. This is the guy for the New York Yankees. Big old number 99 in pinstripes. When you think New York Yankees right now, you think Aaron Judge. He bet on himself. He went out there and he's having an MVP type year. Just another superstar stepping up. That's the theme of this entire thing we're doing right now. Hence why the Title says superstar stepping up. These are all superstars, and these are all guys that are flourishing right now. Ronald Acuna was out for a year, almost, because of a torn ACL. One of the brightest young players in the game. One of the best players in the game of baseball. Comes back after not playing for a long time since the All-Star break last year. Comes back, hitting 333, zero homers. No, that's not true. He's had a couple homers. He had... Two homers. Did the silencer? He did the LeBron James celebration. The other one, he fell down in the batter's box. That was sick. Ronald Acuna has been killing it lately, absolutely killing it. In the last couple of weeks, so that's what that is. In the last two weeks, he probably doesn't have a homer, but he's hitting .333. But he hasn't been back for much longer than I don't think he's even been back for a month yet, and he's hitting 300 couple homers. Ronald Acuna is stepping up as well for this Braves team. And guess what? The Braves are playing better. Shocker. They had been struggling. Now they're starting to get into a little bit of a groove, but it's been a struggle there in Atlanta, so hopefully Ronald Acuna is able to turn that around. We'll get to that, actually, in a second at the next base. And now, Manny Machado. Another superstar. Who is playing better? Is anybody playing better than Manny Machado? I would argue, no. This is the best the best 41 game starts by batting average in Padres history. Listen to this. Tony Gwynn, 1994, was hitting 382. Manny Machado, in 2022, 374. All of the other ones on this list, Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn in 1998. Tony Gwynn in 1992. Tony Gwynn in 1997. Pretty good company to be a part of if you're Manny Machado. He adds himself right there at the top of that list, right behind the the best of the best for Tony Gwynn. But if you're ever in a category with just Tony Gwynn, you're doing something right. Manny Machado has been killing it all year, and that certainly rings true over the last couple of weeks as well. Next up, I got a couple more for you. Bryce Harper, superstar, torn UCL in his right arm, so he's not even playing the outfield. He's DHing. Over the last couple weeks, 400, two homers, six extra base hits, eight RBI. Unbelievable. This is with one, one fully functioning UCL. The guy might, might honestly need Tommy John surgery and he's out there doing this offensively. That's remarkable. And lastly, Carlos Correa. Correa goes over to the Twins. People are surprised about the signing. He gets off to a little bit of a struggle. But we haven't been talking much about how well he has been playing lately. Over the last month, he's hitting 370. Over the last couple of weeks, 366. A homer, five extra base hits, five RBI. Playing good shortstop. The Twins are in first place in the AL Central. Nobody expected that. I just tweeted this today, or on Sunday. Not enough Twins. Not enough Twins talk out there for me. Nobody expected this, but here they are with a big lead in the division, Carlos Correa shortstops batting 371 in the last month. Injuries have tried to derail them, but to no avail. The Twins are legit and a blast to watch. Carlos Correa is a big reason for that. Byron Buxton, a big reason for that. Joe Ryan, a rookie, a big reason for that. But superstars, that's the theme of this. The superstars, and this is so good for the game of baseball. All of them. So many superstars around the league are stepping up and dominating right now. And it's great to watch, and it's great for the game of baseball.
0: It absolutely is. You know, when we first started talking about this segment uh, yesterday, it was a situation where we kind of looked around the league and we were like, wow, everyone is finally starting to hit well. All these great players on all these big teams are starting to play really well. And it's it's great to see the names like Carlos Correa starting to have a good bat as well. But to move on, we talked about a little bit with Ronald Acuna and his return back to the Braves. But man, this
1: Braves team needs to wake up. Yeah, I really want to talk about this Atlanta Braves team because it's time to wake up. They are way too talented, way too talented to be sitting below 500, a good bit back to the Mets in the NL East. I want to see the Braves playing good baseball. I grew up the biggest Atlanta Braves fan. On planet Earth, Chipper, Andrew Jones, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Raphael Call, Marcus Giles, that's the era I grew up watching in love with Atlanta Braves baseball. They were on TBS every night. I was, in, I was from, I am from, Richmond, Virginia. The AAA team for the Braves was 10 minutes from my house. I would go watch them all the time. They're the Atlanta Braves. They're the reigning World Series champions. What are you doing? It's time to wake up. It's time to get going. This team did this last year and they were able to still get to a division title. This year is different. This Mets team is different. This Mets team is really good. They aren't going anywhere and they aren't going to go on skids of losing 9 of 10 games. They're just not built to do that anymore. They're not going to Met. So if you're a Braves fan thinking we're fine, we did this last year, the Mets are going to Met, guess what? We're going to win our fifth division title in a row. It ain't happening. It's time to get going right now. It's time for your stars to get going. This team is arguably more talented than the team last year that had Freddie Freeman. Obviously, you don't lose Freddie Freeman and immediately become more talented, but what they did bringing in Matt Olsen... Now they have Ronald Acuna back. They're going to get Mike Soroka back at some point soon, hopefully, who was one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball, one of the bright young stars in the game of baseball before his freak injuries, friend of the pod, said said on the show a couple of months ago that he was looking around the All-Star break. The second half, hopefully coming back. That would be huge. This team should be... Just as good as the World Series winning team, if not better. But they just continue to coast during the regular season, or until they think, oh man, we're in trouble, let's go. But now look at them, they're eight games back of first place. Last year at this time, when they were doing the same thing, they were coasting, couldn't quite get to the 500 mark. But guess what? This time last year, they were four games back of first place. Double that this year, with a team that is way more improved than they have seen in a long time than New York Mets, and are only going to get better once DeGrom and Scherzer come back. It has been bad. Entering Sunday, the Braves are 13-14 at home, under 500. That's the 17th best win percentage at home. They're way better than that. Offensively, four runs a game, 21st in Major League Baseball. They averaged 4.91 last year. That was eighth best in baseball. They lead all of baseball in strikeouts. All of baseball. Their stars aren't hitting like they need to. In the last 30 games, Matt Olson, the prized acquisition this offseason, batting 180 with 35 Ks in 30 K, in 30 games. Marcelo Zuna, 195 with 34 Ks in 30 games. Adam Duvall, 188 with 37 strikeouts. Austin Riley, 220 with 40 strikeouts. Ozzie Albies, 242. These guys have to perform. We're not just talking about good players, we're talking about great players. Matt Olson is one of the best first basemen in the game of baseball. I hear ya, maybe it's the fact that he's stepping in for Freddie Freeman. And the shoes are huge to fill there. And he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. But the other guys, Austin Riley was an MVP candidate last year. Ozzie Albies had a fantastic year and won America Free Tacos, which I predicted at the World Series. This team has to be better. The offense has been just painfully average. Painfully average and leads baseball in strikeouts. The pitching has been average as well. I don't know what's going on with this Braves team, but if they think they're just going to coast in the regular season and turn it on the last couple of months like they did last year and win their fifth straight division title, it's not going to happen. Why? Because the Mets aren't going to met. It's not going to happen. So for the Atlanta Braves, the time is now. The time is right now to get your stars together and to start rolling. Ronald Acuna is back. You have the heart and soul in that lineup back at the top. Playing well. Now you have to go. It's time for the reigning champs to go. They don't have any more time to waste. Producer Conrad, it has been been tough watching them, man. It has been tough watching the Braves, especially after we were right there last year in person, watching firsthand just how good they were. At the World Series, they went toe-for-toe, toe-to-toe with the best in baseball, the Dodgers and then the Astros, and they beat them both right in front of us. We saw how good they were, and you can't tell me this year that they're much worse of a team because they're not. They're just not performing at this point, and that makes it tough to watch.
0: Absolutely, but I think the big thing that people also forget about the team that won the championship last year is they didn't have Acuna, And they went out and made three huge acquisitions at the all-star break to get a center, like a, a, an entire new outfield put together with Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, who was the MVP of the world series. They had a bunch of guys that just came in and were being dudes for him. I think that's something that they need to get going again is maybe they make, make some trades, make some moves at the all-star break, but I I, I don't know what else this roster would need.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? And and that's a, you, you bring up a good point, and we talked about him a little earlier in this show. The Jock Peterson slap heard around the world from Tommy Pham. Jock Peterson has an innate ability to, to get under people's skin, to play the game hard, to bring an energy to a locker room, to rock the pearls, to to get the world, to get Braves country all wearing pearls around the stadium. There's just something about him? He's a winner. He's a winner. He brings excitement. He brings a different mentality to the clubhouse. You heard guys say it. You heard him say it last year. I got into that clubhouse, and it just wasn't fun. It needed a change. He brought that change. Now he's gone. The team is just as talented. But there's something to be said about that locker room effect. The Jock Peterson effect. I don't know, man. There's something there. He's gone. People love him. And now the Braves aren't winning. I don't know what you do. You're not going to acquire him back because the Giants are a good baseball team that want to win. But that goes a long way, you know? That goes a long way in showing that what locker room culture means to a team. It's not just what's on the field. It's how the team gets along together in the locker room. And right now, I'm not saying the Braves don't get along in the locker room because, look, we don't know that. But right now, the product on the field isn't as good as it needs to be, and maybe they need another trade acquisition, a shot in the arm to come in and make the Atlanta Braves have fun. Because right now, they're just not very good, and the reigning champs, they need to wake up. All right, it is the first episode of the week, which means now it's time to for some power rankings. So we're gonna take a little bit of a shift here from the storylines around the league and get into my top 10 power rankings in Major League Baseball. And we're gonna start at number 10 with the Los Angeles Angels. Now, hear me out here. The Angels are hanging on by a thread to the top 10. They've been way higher at points this year. They've been out of the top 10 at points this year. Now I have them right on the verge. Now, I know they may have gone on a little bit of a losing streak this past week, but hear me out. They didn't have Taylor Ward. He's come back, immediately gave them a shot in the arm, a big home run on Sunday. Otani is hitting better. Trout hadn't been hitting well up to his standards. You know that's going to turn around. The depth that they had was out for a little while. This team is clearly... Really talented, and a lot of those losses that they did have were one-run losses in tough games, and a bullpen might have blown a late lead. The team is really good. I'm giving them another chance. I'm a believer in the Angels. I do believe that they are a top-10 team in the game of baseball, but right now, with their little bit of a struggle last week, I have them hanging on by a thread at number 10. Moving on to number 9, and back in my power rankings, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays just keep winning baseball games. It's remarkable. In every single game, they're doing it in a different facet. It's They're hitting inside the Park Homers. Brett Phillips is doing something cool. I mean, this team, you wouldn't think would be one of the best teams in baseball, but year in and year out they are. The Rays are back, and they're playing really good baseball. They beat the Yankees, who I've had at the top of my power rankings for a month now. Will that be the same today? Well, we'll find out in like a minute. The Rays are at number 9. Moving on to number 8 on my power rankings, the Minnesota Twins. I was tweeting about the Minnesota Twins on Sunday. Not enough people are talking about the Twins and how good they are. They're winning the AL Central, which nobody expected because the White Sox were the clear favorite to win the division. They add Carlos Correa, who everybody thought was struggling. Well, guess what? Over the course of the last month, he's hitting 370. Byron Buxton is an MVP caliber talent in the outfield. Joe Ryan looks like a Rookie of the Year caliber talent on the mound. This team is the real deal, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Put some respect on the Minnesota Twins name, because they deserve it. And they're at number eight in my power rankings. Moving on to number seven. After being out for the first week, the first time of ever being out of the power rankings this year, the Toronto Blue Jays are back. And they are here at number seven. They beat the Angels in a series in Anaheim, which is a big deal. Look, we know this team is talented. There's, there's no way around it. They just weren't playing very good baseball. Their offense hadn't figured it out yet. They Well, they did at the beginning of the year, and then they just went through a skid. Like I've said a million times, hitting is contagious. When you're struggling, everybody can struggle, and you struggle together. The Blue Jays are figuring it out together and they're scary. Gosman, Barrios at the top of that rotation, man, that's a dangerous team. I wouldn't be surprised if every week from now on they keep creeping up a little bit and a little bit, because they are. They are that talented, and in my opinion, they're a top three or four team in the game of baseball, easily, hands down. Moving on to number six, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers are good. I'm a little scared right now with with this team is built around their rotation: Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta is going to be out a while. Craig Counsell said recently that it's going to be a lengthy absence for Freddie Peralta. What does that mean for the team? Well, time will tell. Willie Adamas is back on a rehab uh, rehab stint, so he should be back in the big leagues soon. Obviously, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff at the top. Just having those two guys is still good. You have the best closer in baseball at the back end of the bullpen. The team is still very talented. Freddie Peralta is going to be a big missing piece in that rotation, but I still think they're really good. I have them right now at number six. Moving on to number five in this week's MLB Power Rankings, the Houston Astros. Look. We know the Astros are good. We know they're one of the most talented teams in all of the game of baseball. They just have some times where they go on a little bit of a a skid. They didn't play great baseball over the course of the last week, so easy. I got to move them down a notch or two, and that's what I did. They're here at number five. We know they're really good. We know they have the potential to get to their sixth consecutive ALCS appearance, which is just nuts, but right now I have them at number five. Moving on to number four on my MLB Power Rankings, the San Diego Padres. The Padres just keep moving on up, and they don't even have Fernando Tatis yet. Manny Machado is having the second-best start in franchise history in terms of batting average behind one Tony Gwynn, who you might have heard of, who's an average machine. The top five averages to start a year to this point Everyone on that list was Tony Gwynn. Manny Machado has inserted himself into the second spot on that list, right behind Tony Gwynn's best year to this point. Manny Machado is carrying, carrying the Padres. Bob Melvin leading the way has been huge for them. Having Mackenzie Gore a rookie in the rotation has been good. Musgrove has been lights out this year. Darvish is electric. The Padres are the real deal, man. They're a lot of fun, and they're here at number four, the highest ranking I've had them so far this year. Moving up and moving on to number three, this week's power rankings, I have the New York Mets. The Mets have been dealing with injuries for so long now. Can we just get a full healthy season of the New York Mets so we can see how good they are? Is that too much to ask for? Can we get Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett and Tyler McGill all in the same rotation at the same time? Is that too much to ask? We haven't gotten that. They've been riddled with injuries, and they still continue to win series. It's incredible what the Mets are doing. The Mets aren't going to Met. I told you, if they were ever going to do it, it's now. With being decimated by injuries, but guess what? They're still playing good ball and they're 31 and 17 on the year. All right, moving on to number two. We have a change, my friends. For the first time in over a month, the New York Yankees are out of the one spot and into the two spot. They sit at 33 and 15. The Yankees are still so good. But they have some concerns building. The bullpen, without Chad Green for the year, without Araldis Chapman for a little while, who wasn't good when he was playing for the last couple of weeks, giving up runs in multiple outings, consecutive outings. There are some question marks. There are some concerns, but they are still here at the number two spot because they're playing great. Aaron Judge is a star, the biggest star of them all, physically, quite literally, the biggest star of them all. They are really good. The Yanks are rolling. They are one of the best teams in baseball. This demotion down to the two spot is less about the way they're playing and more about the way that the number one team on my updated power rankings is playing. And that team is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I said a couple of weeks ago that I don't even think they've scratched the surface of where they could be. Now they're rolling. Mookie Betts is on another level. This team has officially scratched the surface, in my opinion, of how good they can be. Listen to this. We aren't even two months into the year, and the Dodgers' run differential is plus 117. The Yankees are the second closest, plus 73. The next closest after that is right around 50. So the Dodgers' run differential, other than the Yankees, is double anybody else's. This team is the best team in baseball, The roster says as much. We've known their roster is that good. And now they are playing like they are the best team in baseball. And for the first time in a few weeks, the Dodgers round out this week's list of the top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings. All right, and now it is time for my favorite segment of the week. This week in Shohei Otani news. I'm going to talk about how good he has been on Sundays. We're going to talk about how he reached a new milestone. I want to talk about why he's still the AL MVP favorite. And of course, like I've done a few times, showcase just how much fun Shohei is having playing baseball this year. But let's get into it by talking about Sundays. I have officially declared that Sundays shall now be named... Shohei Otani Sundays. He has earned the right. He is dominating on Sundays. It has been remarkable. And just yesterday, on Sunday, Shohei hit two more homers. His first at-bat of the game and his second at-bat of the game. In back-to-back at-bats, he hit two homers. And every Sunday in May, He is hitting 4-11, four home runs, and nine RBIs. Shohei does on Sundays what many hope to do in a week's worth of baseball. Two homers again on Sunday. Remarkable. This guy is incredible, and he is just now starting to find his stride. I truly believe that. I truly believe he is just now. Starting to figure it out. So for everybody saying, Oh, well, it's what's what's going on? Nothing's going on. It just hasn't been Sunday enough times yet. Now it's been Sunday enough times and he is off and rolling. So two homers this most recent Sunday. The previous Sunday, he hit a home run that resulted in Shohei reaching another milestone. 150 career home runs for Shohei Otani between Major League Baseball and the NPB in Japan. He's 27 years old, and he has reached 150 career homers. That's pretty fast. That's pretty remarkable. I love this footage of him just hitting absolute tanks in Japan. And guess what? He's in Major League Baseball now doing it as well. It is remarkable. But I had to talk about it. I had to talk about the milestone that Shohei Ohtani reached because it's a big one. And people didn't celebrate it here in the United States, but it should be. It is a big milestone. 150 homers at 27 years old. That's pretty remarkable. Next up, let's talk about how and why Shohei Ohtani is still the favorite to win the American League Most Valuable Player Award again. This one goes out to everybody that says, well, it's, he just hasn't been very good. He's been so average. If Shohei Ohtani has been average this year at the plate, you have lost your mind. And the reason that people are saying that is because we've become accustomed to him being something we've never seen before. But so far this year, it has been, again, remarkable. And this is just on the offensive side. So far, he's hitting 249 with 11 homers and 34 RBIs. That's offensively. Over the course of a full season, he is on pace to hit 35 homers and 102 RBIs. What's average about that? Nothing. Nothing at all is average. There's nothing average about Shohei Otani at all. That's not even talking about his pitching. On the pitching side, he is on pace to have a 3-4-5 ERA, a whip right around one With 263 strikeouts. 263 strikeouts. What a remarkable season. And I truly don't believe that he has even hit his stride yet. I think we're starting to see it. I think we are starting to see the Shohei Otani that we got to see last year that I believe and he believes can be even better going forward? Like I said, when Shohei starts hitting balls out to dead center and the opposite field, you know he is locked in. Another factor here, Angel Stadium to deep left center field is the hardest stadium to hit a ball out of. Left center field dimensions there in Anaheim are deep. It's not easy to hit balls out there. And that's when Shohei is going good, where balls are going. Out towards those rocks. Out towards those big, that big rock structure out there. So when you hear Shohei is still the favorite to win AL MVP, it's not because of what he's doing is so impressive and he's gonna win the MVP award specifically just because he does both. No. It's because the stats that he does and has on both sides are truly remarkable. On pace for 35 homers, 102 RBIs, 263 strikeouts on the mound, and a whip around one, an ERA below 3.5. Are you kidding me? 34 MLB hitters have 100-plus home runs since 2018. Shohei Otani is one of those 34 players. 30 MLB starting pitchers have a 10-plus strikeout per nine since since 2018. Shohei Otani is one of those 30 pitchers. Think about that. Only 34 hitters since 2018 have accomplished what Shohei Otani has done. Only 30 pitchers since 2018 have accomplished what Shohei Otani has done. This isn't some fun thing we're seeing. It is remarkable to watch. It is something I will legitimately tell my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids. Who knows, I might live to 150. Nobody knows if I will or if I won't, but I'll tell them all about Shohei Otani. I promise you that. It's remarkable what we're seeing and that is why he is still the favorite to win the AL MVP award. Look at what everybody was saying last year. In any other year, Vladdy Jr. would have won the MVP award, but it wasn't any other year. It was the year of Shohei Otani. And guess what? In his own home, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a photo of himself with Shohei Otani hanging in his own home. What does that tell you? This guy is just on another level. He's on another playing field. He's playing a different game, and he's playing it better than anybody else. That's what's so cool about it. And that's why he's still the favorite to win AL MVP award. And I think he should win it every year. He's doing anything remotely close to this because he's elite at both. It's awesome. And what's awesome as well is how much fun he's having this year. That's my last point. I want to make here is just how much fun Shohei is having. It's different this year than in years past last year. We saw it a little bit more because he was finally able to pitch and hit at the same time. Earlier in his career, it was difficult on him. The regulations on him were so strict. You're going to pitch once a week, and you're not going to hit on the game before and after that. You're only going to hit like two or three times a week. Not anymore. Last year, he got to do it, and we saw the result. This year, he's doing the same thing, but he's doing it on a winning baseball team. A team that is legitimately good and has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. And we're seeing how much fun he is having this year. Earlier this week, well, last week on the mound in his, in his start last week, he gets a ground out to the first base side. He goes to tag out Raimel Tapia and Tapia just stopped running and started to go back towards the dugout. And Shohei showed him his way. the dugout with a smile on his face it's just funny Shohei and his personality are remarkable and it's great for the game of baseball and I'm so excited that we're getting to see more and more and more of it we saw it there we see it every time he takes off his helmet and puts on the cowboy hat one time last week he took off the he took off his helmet held it in the air like this puts on the hat and just has a blast running through the dugout with the cowboy hat on we saw it on Star Wars night. He had his bobblehead come out. That was awesome. Shohei's having fun this year. I'm having fun watching him. He's having fun playing the game of baseball, and the Angels are winning ball games. That's what makes this different. That's what makes this all so much more fun, on top of just how good Shohei Otani is. That's why we have this segment, my friends because of how good he is. He gives me stuff to talk about every single week. I am his number one fan, and I will talk about him until the end of time. And this week, he did it again. Shohei Otani Sundays, it's a thing, my friends. Don't forget it. Look forward to it. That does it for this week's This Week in Shohei Otani News. All right, and now you know what time it is? It's time for another list. You know I love me some lists. I like coming up with one every single week just because it involves fun baseball conversation. And you know what this show is? It's fun and it's baseball and it's conversations. So this week's list is the top five rookies in 2022. So the top five rookies so far in this new 2022 season. And we're going to start and number five with Seiya Suzuki. The, the guy just got out of the gates smoking hot. Suzuki has slowed down a little bit, a, a good bit, but he's still on this list at number five because, look, he's hitting around the 250 mark. He has four homers on the year, 21 RBIs, and the transition that he has made, and I was talking about this when he was on top of the world and hitting fantastic. The transition from the Japanese Baseball League to Major League Baseball, and vice versa, the transition from Major League Baseball to the Japanese League, takes some time. It is a difficult transition. The pitching is difficult. The fact just moving countries is difficult. So what he has done so far this year, I've been very impressed by. I think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a good player in this league, and he already is. Let's not... Let's not bat an eye at 245 with four homers and 21 RBIs. But he comes in at number five on this list. Moving on to number four, Mackenzie Gore. (laughs) It rhymes. Number four, Mackenzie Gore. He wasn't even on the opening day roster for the Padres. But he's been really, really good since his call-up. Three and one, this is entering Sunday. And he threw fantastic on Sunday. But entering Sunday, three and one. 2-0-6 2.06 6 ERA, 38 Ks. Mackenzie Gore appears to be the real deal. And he's been a big prospect for them for a while that just hadn't put it all together. An ERA around two and a 3-1 record heading into Sunday? That's figuring it out. Mackenzie Gore is a stud. He's a big-time player, big-time prospect, and he's he comes in at number four on this list, without even playing all year, man. This has been, it has been impressive. He could go on and win National League Rookie of the Year. Watch out for Mackenzie Gore. Moving on to number three on this list, at the three spot, I have Joe Ryan, the opening day starter for the Minnesota Twins. Nobody knew the name yet, unless you're a diehard or a Twins fan, but they do now. 5 and 2, a 2.28 ERA, 42 Ks. Unfortunately, he's been out for the, uh, a, a little while lately, but he's been he, he really has been really good and he's been a surprise and the twins needed him. The twins have been so good this year. They weren't expected to be where they are. And he, I, I truly believe the twins would not be where they are without Joe Ryan, without the rookie. Joe Ryan, in 13 major league starts, has thrown 70 innings, 2.96 ERA, 72 strikeouts, and 19 walks. That's in 13 big league starts, and this year he's been phenomenal. Joe Ryan, this year, lights out, good for the Twins. He comes in at number three on this list. Moving on to number two, The J-Rod Show, Julio Rodriguez, I, I, I knew it, I knew he was good, he's a super prospect, I told everybody not to freak out when he started a little bit slower, but man, has he turned it on. After that slow start, he's already hitting 276 with six homers and he has 14 stolen bases. He also plays a really good center field. Julio Rodriguez is the cream of the crop when it comes to a prospect I don't use the term lightly, a super prospect. He's that guy that you can build an organization around. He could be what Tatis is to the Padres, what Acuna is to the Braves, a guy like that. That's how good he is. That's how talented he is. And at a very, very young age, 276, six homers, 14 stolen bases, and it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to go 20-20 in his rookie year. 20 homers, 20 stolen bases. How wild would that be? What a year that would be. But you know what that means? That means there's still one spot left on this list. And no, it doesn't go to Julio Rodriguez, who is killing it so far. It goes to Jeremy Pena. The number one spot, the top rookie so far in 2022 is Jeremy Pena, 291, seven home runs, 22 RBI and a few stolen bases on top of that. Stepping in to the biggest shoes you could possibly have to fill in the game. A team that has been to the World Series many times in the past five, six years, a team that has been to the ALCS in consecutive years, five consecutive years, and then that team loses their superstar shortstop, Carlos Correa, and then they didn't sign anybody in the offseason when everybody said, well, you should re-sign Correa or get Trevor Story. None of that happened. Why? Because the Astros believed in how good Jeremy Pena is. And he has stepped in to those shoes, and been light years beyond what anybody could have imagined him being. That's how good he has been. Jeremy Pena is a stud. Kudos to him for the year that he is having, getting off to the start he has, filling the biggest shoes of all time. Not only a great player on the field, but a guy that is a larger-than-life personality and idolized in Houston. Jeremy Pena has stepped in and has seven bombs, a bunch of clutch knocks, hit 291 on the year, So far with 22 RBI, and he has played a fantastic defense as well. So Jeremy Pena tops off this list of my top five rookies thus far. Saya Suzuki at number five, McKenzie Gore at number four, Joe Ryan at number three, Julio Rodriguez the J-Rod Show at number two, and Jeremy Pena rounds out that list. All right, and to wrap up this show, one final thought, a final segment, a little extra innings segment here. And it's something that I think is fun or think is funny or good-hearted, whatever it may be. But every week, I like to do this. And this week, I want to talk about a situation and a story with George Springer from the other day. Now, George Springer has his entire life had a stutter. His speech impediment, he has worked hard on. To to talk about it, to get it out there, to make it known, to, to make it more common, to make people feel more comfortable coming forward and speaking about it. And he has worked his life on trying to better his speech impediment. The other day in Toronto, a kid showed up to the game with a sign that said, George, I stutter too. And George invited that little kid down onto the field gave him a bat, gave him some batting gloves, and they just talked for quite a bit. And it was a really cool moment. It was a really special moment. Because George has been very vocal and upfront about his speech impediment and wanting to, to make people feel more comfortable with it. So the fact that this kid is comfortable enough to write on a sign, George, I stutter too. And for George to see that, and to do what he did, just a really good moment, man. Just a really cool moment. Baseball is special. It's about more than what's on the field. It's about more than the gameplay. It's about stuff like this. So many moments come up that just make me say, baseball. It's hard not to be romantic about baseball. And this is just another reason why. George Springer, what a good guy. What an awesome moment between those two. And, and just a really cool thing for the game of baseball. And that's what I do here on this show. We talk about the game. We talk about cool moments. We talk about fun moments. And I will always, every single time, talk about moments like this that happened with George Springer and his fan this past week in Toronto. But that does it for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Thank you all so much for listening. First episode of the week, and it was a blast. Another one coming at you Wednesday, a guest episode coming soon. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow anywhere you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google. We're also on social media, at Flippin' Bats Pod, anywhere you can think of. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can watch every episode of the video of it on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod as well. Thank you all for listening. This has been a blast. I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace out, my friends.